Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. So our heroes have found Galen Erso, uh, among all the other uh, Imperial um, officials, including the army. And of course, Cassian has just kind of run down the rocks to potentially go pick them off. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of them are uh, going to go follow just to get a better scope of exactly what's going on. Yes. So Jin decides she's going to kind of take a bit of a different route and get a little bit closer so that she can see things uh, up close and personal. Uh, Krennic lands his ship. Uh, he comes down and he tells Galen, oh, go get all of your engineers. Uh, and as soon as they're all assembled, he then brings up the notion that one of them has conspired with a pilot and has betrayed the Empire uh, by feeding information to the Rebellion. When no one volunteers the information, Krennic threatens to kill all the engineers. And at the last second, Galen steps in because he's the one who's fed the information. In a super evil flex, Krennic then orders the assassination of all four of those guys anyway. And he's given Galen the business when in come the rebel uh, rescue squadron, I guess, or at least just the attack fleet. A bunch of X-Wing fighters fly in and just drop hell down on uh, on the Imperial people and Galen, explosions uh, go everywhere. And this kind of frees up uh, Jin to run into the fray and meet up with her father who has been uh, injured. Yes, so Cassian throughout this time was playing the game of itchy trigger finger and ultimately decided against, actively decided against shooting Galen, put down the sniper rifle. Uh, but yes, in Galen's dying words, he's able to see his daughter again. Uh, they have some kind of weak dialogue exchange back and forth. Uh, Galen dies. Cassian pulls Jin away from his dying body just because the man was already passed. They escape and they leave at the last minute. Uh, but Jin is livid with Cassian because she knows that he got the head start on them to go pick off her father. Uh, then they all head to Yavin 4 to meet up with the rest of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, meanwhile, on Mustafar? Yeah, it's Mustafar. Krennic goes to meet up with his other boss who is the one and only Lord Vader, who rises from this jelly pit, puts on his mask, and uh, he does a force choke thing. He says, uh, don't choke on your aspirations. Uh, basically, Krennic is kind of tattling on Tarkin in this case. He's basically saying, look, I did this thing. I deserve the credit. Tarkin wants the credit. Can you please go tell the Emperor that this is my deal, the Death Star? And Darth Vader's like... Yes, but also I'm in charge. Quit being a little baby. Yeah. Kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. He mostly just doesn't want Krennic to think the Death Star is the be-all, end-all, because Darth Vader's not a huge fan of the Death Star. But anyway, we cut back to the Rebel Alliance, and we specifically see them, kind of Jin's presenting the information that Galen Erso had told them, telling them about the opportunity to bring down this giant super weapon. They're debating as the existence of the Death Star. They're debating so much. Uh, it's kind of a shit show. Uh, Bail Organa's there, Mon Mothma's there. It's really all of the key players in the Rebel Alliance at this point, and they're determining whether or not to follow Jin's input to go after this big station. But they essentially turn her down, and she's really disappointed because uh, she has gone to the Rebellion seeking uh, hope and an opportunity to fight, and ultimately... She gets to the very end, and they all give up. Yeah, they're all really cynical. They're kind of on the verge of disbanding the Rebel Alliance as we know it, and 
Like, I mean, that's the end of the 20, but it ends like really sadly for Jin because she's like, look, it was my father's dying wish that we blow this thing up. We got to do it. I'm not like super in on everything you guys believe in, but please help me. And Mon Mothma is basically like, democratically, no, sorry. Yeah, it's... uh it shows how in shambles the rebellion is. Who's that guy in the white suit? Is he supposed to be the same older guy from the final act of A New Hope? Uh, Dodonna with the white beard? Yeah. Yes. Different actor, obviously. Different actor, but yes, General Jan Dodonna. He achieved the same... Definitely. The same look? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was an important one, very much like Mon Mothma as well. I mean, Mon Mothma is extraordinary how much they were able to make her yes. look like her. That oh, worked no. out so, so nicely. I actually uh, found this to be a really good 20. I thought there was lots of it. It is a good 20. It's um, it's one that goes by pretty quick, to be honest, I thought. Yeah. Uh, but as an overall, uh, I, Galen really doesn't sit right with me, and Jin's not one of my favorite characters, and so I, I really struggle to connect as if like that's a meaningful part of the story. I guess. It's an interesting relationship between Cassian and Jin because like he has an awful lot of loyalty to her considering he was just about to assassinate her father. He's like, Jin, he wants to rescue her. Mm. Um, but she's really given him no reason to trust. No. To trust her. None. Um, I'll give you one of my, my trivia questions now, um, which is, um, it's my Padawan question anyway, just because it's on in line with what we're talking about. What does Jin compare Cassian to when pointing out that he follows orders blindly? A stormtrooper. I actually find that to be a really, uh, a really compelling bit of writing. I had orders, orders that I disobeyed, but you wouldn't understand that. Orders, when you know they're wrong, you might as well be a stormtrooper. What do you know? We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to care about something. So often Star Wars is just about the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a little bit more realistic to be like, look, all of these organizations are kind of jacked up. I think it's great because it's very specifically the exact opposite of Cassian. There is nothing about him that is a stormtrooper. No. because But it's interesting because he definitely gives off that vibe. But he rebels even against the rebels. I mean, by not killing Galen. Yes, but I mean, specifically the line that goes overlooked and is explored later on with bits of his backstory uh, in other pieces of canon material is, I've been in this fight since I was six. Mm -hmm. You do the math, Cassian's family were separatists. Okay. So from the very beginning, the clone troopers, the stormtroopers... Have been the enemy. Yeah, he has always been against the the big regime that Palpatine had been creating. I mean, you don't have to necessarily agree with Dooku to have been on the sides of the Separatists. That's the whole like Padme at the very end. Like that's why the Rebel Alliance was started because yes. it was like, oh, wait a minute, the Separatists are right, but their leadership is insane. Yeah. So let's find some new way to like. Yes, they're too, right to uncertain things, and then of course there's better to have some centralized government, and so. But, but I think it, I think Jin's ideals are also really well developed in that mm -hmm. she has been raised largely by Saw Gerrera, yeah. who's wacky, and she's she understands the difference and she understands the rationale and how to think like herself, but she's not going to buy into the conventional rebellious ideology nor the empirical one or the mm -hmm. imperial one. So. Uh, I, th I think that her making that accusation is is very, it kind of sounds like Saw. It kind of sounds like the Saw in her. That's a really good point. I never saw it that way, but that, that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I think it goes to show, it, it definitely shows that Cassian has a lot of character, obviously, by not going that extra distance. But the reason why he kills uh, Tivik at the start was because 
it's for the bigger cause. Right. And in this instance, he doesn't know. He doesn't want to make the wrong decision on the off chance that hope is right here. Yeah. And so he kind of just lets it slide a little bit. And I, I think it's great. And, and he doesn't defend himself and he feels like he doesn't have to defend himself. Uh, I think it, it just shows a lot about the character. I think they'll unpack this 20 a lot in the yeah. way uh, the casting show's done. Right. I think it'll... The in, the way we look into his mind and his thought process, I think they'll really give a lot of context to. Because Diego Luna's not getting any younger, I think it would be really cool if a big part of the Cassian show was told over two timelines. If we had two actors play Cassian, like like current day Cassian and also like boy Cassian, just so we can get some context about what it was like to grow up this guy. I mean, I think that's interesting. I think it could be done in some good flashbacks to maybe do some... Like some time during the Clone Wars. I mean, I'm not going to say no to anything live action in the Clone Wars era. So right. if we see a child Cassian, that's amazing. However, I think there's about a half a percent chance of that happening. Oh, I don't this know. We'll going, see some. Uh, this is going to be a hardcore spy thriller, I think. Good. Uh, and I, th- and I, I do believe it's going to be, uh, to be one of the probably the darkest Star Wars product yet. You think they'll just do one season though? Uh, I think with Cassian, yes. One or two. Know. At most, I, mo- I think at most, I think it will be shorter than the Mandalorian. I think the Mandalorian may have like four seasons planned, whereas Castian may have like two seasons planned. Okay, I mean it's be- really hard to speculate on something. Oh, it's totally hard about. to speculate. But for example, the relationship like K two S O and Cassian, they have not been partners for long. Oh, so you don't think Alan Tudyk's going to have a big part in the show? Well, no, I think he will. But in order to make the timelines canonically consistent. They can't have been together for like seven or eight years. True. They can be together for like a, a few months or You're a right. year or whatever. They're not it old is, partners. No, exactly. Yeah. I want to talk about Bodhi again because last week I, I just kind of flippantly said that I think there are too many characters in this movie and I think Bodhi doesn't need to exist in this movie at all. And I've thought about that even more now and I thought about it watching this 20 a couple of times today. I think that Bodhi says nothing in the movie of value other than giving the movie mm. its title. I think most of the movie, he's just kind of like doe-eyed and looking around like yep. ba- barely sober because he's waking up from some kind of fever dream. And I also think everything he does could be um, outsourced to either Galen Erso in this movie or to Cassian Endor in this movie. Definitely. I don't, I don't think anything he does in this movie is essential. And as much as I like Riz Ahmed, I think it's an enormous waste in this film. I completely agree in every single way. Yeah. Because we already saw the, you know the empire cadet or young like grunt on the line get you know what's the word I'm looking for here um disen- disenfranchised yeah. by the the allure of the big empire and then leaving it we get it with finn and we get it with han solo we don't need it in like all of the movies now that disney has brought into us we right. don't need a stormtrooper gaining a conscience right in every fucking piece of like content when they're looking from a distance down at uh galen or so and, and krennic and everybody else down over a distance and uh bodhi says something to the effect of that's him that's him galen in the dog suit and i was like what an idiot way to describe somebody in star wars <laughs> look it's like, everybody else is wearing white though I know, and there's stormtroopers and everything, but it's just so dumb. It's just like a dumb way to describe somebody. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, that's that's him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the black. I actually suit. think they're death troopers. Are they? Which are black. So there's definitely some white troopers there. Oh, there might be. I'm sure there was. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Vader in the room. Uh, yeah. Well, let me get out my um, 
Padawan question? Padawan question okay. first two. Uh, what does Vader tell Krennic the cover story is for Jedha's destruction? I have this. This is my uh, Jedi Knight question. Oh, okay. Uh, that there was a mining accident in Jedha's holy city, and that's what destroyed it. There is no Death Star. The Senate has been informed that Jeddah was destroyed in a mining disaster. I didn't really find it that clear that I, I could glean that he was saying, look, this is our cover story. But I found the dialogue to be a little bit uh, flowery in that I, I don't think it was 100% clear. Okay, so, what way? Well, like at one point he says, there is no Death Star. And unless you're really following up to that point, you that just hearing that line stand out could confuse you. Yes, you, he could fair. think that there isn't a Death Star. No, it's of the mention that like no, the galaxy is not to know about this. If anyone asks, there is no Death Star. Yeah, and it's an interesting conversation that they're having is because he's going there basically saying Tarkin took this away from me and it's not done and I want to show the Emperor all of its capabilities. Tarkin doesn't know it like I know it. And Vader's basically like, "Okay, if you want this, then clean up the mess so that you can then have any reason to lay claim to anything here yeah. because you may have made it, but you also made all the mess. Yeah. And so we'll give you the opportunity, but, and then of course the, uh, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, Amazing. but it's one of, and I, I do like that, but I like it in a lot and, and dislike it at the same time because it's so on the nose. I, I don't like it being on, it's being on the nose. I'm okay with because it's the return of Vader after like, so decades goddamn long yeah. in a good way yeah um but i would have preferred it to be angry be careful not to choke on your aspirations director <laughs> very similar to the way it's done in like a new hope where he's talking to the i other want them senators. alive yes i yeah. want them alive yeah. or very much uh, like uh this technological terror i very much wanted him to to almost cut him off mm. and say be careful not to choke on your aspirations director and then he could then potentially let go and then leave the room i hear you as and opposed to just being like oh i'm gonna choke you out and then throw my one-liner in here i hear you but i think vader's wink lines are just as menacing as his angry lines and in this moment he's not mad He's kind of annoyed, I guess, that Krennic showed up to bother him with, yeah. with bullshit. But I don't think anything is going poorly for Vader right now. But it's about consistency with the character. Think of it, who Anakin is and think of who Vader is. It, like The way in which he presents uh, the quippier of his lines, uh, it's not like that. He quips immediately. Yeah. Uh, and like we would be honored if you would join us. And it's got a smoothness to the way he presents those lines. Right. I feel like it's either he says them in frustration and anger and showing us the Anakin character that we've all known. Yeah. Uh, and like the impatience that goes along with that. Or it's kind of the, I guess, pure evil kind of allowing for a little bit of sadistic enjoyment with his phraseology to, to some degree, but I don't know. I think, I think it waited. A, I think he waited a little bit too long. I think it was a little too on the nose yeah. because of the delay. I was totally okay with all of it. I just, I think the delay and I really, it stood out to me this time uh, as being too punchliney. Uh, who wore the suit? Do we know who wore the suit in this 20? The, the Darth Vader suit? Yes. I don't remember his name, uh, but it's the same guy who wears it for the entire movie. Lucky uh, son of a bitch, eh? Yeah, well, he, not lucky. He kills it for the later part of the movie. Totally. I wouldn't say otherwise, but like, he's what a thing. What a thing to say. I think he's six foot seven. Uh, he's wow. a huge guy. Tallest Darth Vader? Yeah. Prowse was, I think, six, six or six, five. Okay. Um, but 
James Earl Jones, obviously, is the voice again. I think they made a mistake not changing the modulation. He sounds older. He sounds a lot older. You do have a great many things to explain. I delivered the weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience to make certain that he understands its remarkable potential. Its power to create problems has certainly been confirmed. A city destroyed. An Imperial facility openly attacked. Was Governor Tarkin suggested the test? You are not summoned here to grovel, Director Krennic. And he sounds slower, and to be honest, it sounds less modulated because it's the most Darth Vader says in like strings of lines. Yeah. Usually when he's engaging in long conversations, it's still not even long lines. That's true. short lines. That's true. And Different so, writer, I guess. Yeah, but I find like in order to get that breathiness, it didn't work at all. Okay. Because he says these full sentences without the breathe without the the breathing that's generally behind his words. Uh and so ultimately you're focusing more on the I guess kind of the the key tone of his voice as opposed to the overall yeah, like the, that deep menacing. I, I found it was too. It was easier to identify it as James Earl Jones as opposed to Darth yeah. Vader. I hear what you mean when you say modulation, because you could sense that his voice is is different now because he's a much older man. But he also just is, and that kind of is one of those things you have to you have to be okay with. Like we're going to experience yes. this next month. Mufasa is going to sound a lot older too. Yeah, but, but it's not the same. It's thing. not. You're right. It's not the same. And also, it's a different. Uh, it's the same movie again, yeah. rather than a different movie altogether. But I didn't hear a pacing issue. I didn't hear like the the speed, the tempo of his recitation to be. Um, I didn't find that was off putting at all. I think just more so the the mixture of saying so many things at once and the inability to have him do his classic pause right. with heavy breathing makes it maybe seem a little bit faster than what he's actually saying, but it definitely goes against the way he would normally speak. I also want to bring up the notion on his physical appearance. So they make all of the Darth Vaders, there's not a single one that's been the same. The closest two, I think, have been, um, I think are maybe Re maybe Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi, sure. and obviously Rogue One and A New Hope. I think those are the two most similar ones. Right, but you can't help but notice that the lenses on his eyes are like, they're like... They're way redder than they are They're like rose gold. They're they, so red. They are red in A New Hope, but not yep. nearly that red. They're too red. They are too red. But more importantly, if they're going to make any adjustments, make his goddamn neck thinner. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God. Make it just a little bit thinner. It looks like he's just a guy who bought who got the helmet at Value Village and just... Put it over top of his head. No, it doesn't. It, That's overstating well, it. Well, it is overstating it, but like when you look at the base of it, it does not merge with the armor at all. Okay. There yeah, is a clear, like, it almost, it, 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 but because it's not filmed in 1977, right. it's so obvious to me. Well, I'll be interested to see if it still looks that way when we see him be really physical later in this movie, because A New Hope, uh, Darth Vader and A New Hope is easily the stiffest Vader. And oh, yeah. that's just in the build of the the cheaper costume he had to wear. And if they were really conscious of that and they wanted him to look a lot like a New Hope uh, Darth Vader, mm. they might have done it on purpose. Oh, they did. But he's not going to be stiff at the end of this movie. No, that's true. Uh, they definitely did do that on purpose. Um, but I don't know. Vader's got a handful of suits. And I think it's definitely nice, obviously, in this scene, we get more context as to Vader's castle. That's super cool. Yeah. We get to see him in the back to tank. 
uh, which with the uh, the Hayden Christensen uh, body dummy, right? Uh, just so cool. I have a couple of nitpicks, a couple of things I just want to bring up. Sure. Uh, when all hell is breaking loose, um, Chirrut is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. What exactly is his moral view on violence? Because I know he's like a martial artist, but him firing a rocket launcher, like WMDs don't really feel like cheer it to me. They do not seem as pacifistic as you would expect of a monk. Uh, he's not necessarily. He's a protector. He's a He protects the, the wills and the knowledge of the force. Okay, and but to so... use the force to maneuver his body and to be like so constantly able to use his surroundings is not the same as firing a grenade launcher. Because he's not as fully in tune with the force. He doesn't have the same capability. Okay. He, uh, and that's kind of, I think, where, like, do the, the Jedi use lightsabers? Does that really align with the, the concept of a Jedi? On paper, not really. Well, but they're less clumsy and random than a blaster. They're Absolutely. more elegant. Exactly. And so I think it's, I don't know. Um, okay, later in that scene, uh, Jin sitting with her dying father. It's kind of a war movie trope mm-hmm. to be in the middle of the line of fire. Oh, my God. Uh and having like a tender moment with a dying person, you're like really exposed. It's kind of a war movie trope and you can get away with it. And also the worst of it has kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. And there is a moment where a couple of stormtroopers come out and then Cassian picks them off. Yeah. Or I think it's Cassian. Um, so I guess. They or is it, it might be Baze? Might be Baze. Uh, so I guess it's not, it's not completely um, ungrounded, unfounded, but mm-hmm. I still, it stands out to me when you see those things in movies, you're like, oh, yeah. come on. You yeah. got to look over your shoulder. 100%. Uh, and final one. Where is Leia during the strategy meeting? I know we want to like wait until the end to reveal her, but realistically, logistically, she'd be there. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember where she was. I'm trying to remember like specifically her line uh, to Tarkin. She's on a diplomatic mission. Or was it a diplomatic mission to Alderaan? Yep. Okay, so she's going to back home, which makes little sense. Uh, that actually, that line doesn't hold up now that you think about it. Kind of uh, on diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You're, I mean, you're going home. Like, you, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm going on a diplomatic mission back to Halifax. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of right. Uh, I'm just trying to think of potentially where she has. Unless been. she hasn't been home in a long time. Yeah, potentially. Maybe that's been the case. But I, I, she was stationed from Alderaan, so maybe she's been in Coruscant for the last little bit, uh, partaking in some um, senatorial work that was pro- she's probably coming from coruscant i guess that's the thing that makes the most sense let me give you my master question all right and i'll give you my two uh next two who announces krennic's arrival to darth vader's castle my lord director krennic has arrived attendant vanny vanny yes there's a whole history on this guy he's in comic books yes he's like his body man like charlie from the west wing um, no, these guys are just servants. Palpatine had uh, advisors and servants as well. Yeah. Uh, they're, in some instances, Palpatines, they were in tune with the Force a little bit. I think Vanny is really, he's mostly just, he's... But he there. has a history. He's like from yeah. Coruscant. He, like, I looked him up on Wikipedia. He has this whole... Yeah, he would very likely have been appointed to Vader by Palpatine. Um, like, all, and that's the thing. I do actually have that as a take back as well. The Royal Guard... 100% would not be at Vader's castle. Vader should have no royal guard. That does not work. He would be alone there? Well, he, it does not compute. The royal guard are for Palpatine and the Palpatine only. I didn't know he was a royal guard. I just kind of figured no, I he meant, was like a butler. No, but no, in the back of the room, there are uh, oh. about, I don't know, I think four or six royal guards. Really? Yeah. And I so, it, yeah, there is a mis- the mistake there. Uh, in Vanny's case, no. 
it's he's just an, an attendant to Vader at his castle. Uh, and yeah, Vader, of course, would have uh, some people there to do his bidding, but I'm assuming there's not. I'm assuming it's not a heavily populated. I don't think he's one of the larger employers on Mustafar. I don't think <laughs> yeah. he's like the Irvings of Keeps the Mustafar tight. system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a low payroll. What do you think you fill Vader's castle with? Because it's not like he has like an Xbox room and a man cave. You know what I mean? Like what? Like, he probably has like a dining hall. But like, does he entertain guests? No. <laughs> Vader would have all of his suits there. Um, there's Vader Immortal, which is the VR game, and that takes place in Vader's castle. Cool. Uh, and so within it, there are, um, there's droids, there's some small production, uh, there is a lot of lightsaber kind of practice area, there's a lot of, um, a lot of Sith history. Okay. There's a lot of, like, just ancient information, and... So this is kind of a tomb of Sithdom. It is... Very, that is an excellent descriptor word. Yeah. The catacombs of Vader's castle uh, is a is a common like term that's being used, and a lot of people have believed that Kylo Ren would visit uh, the catacombs under Vader's castle at some point because that's where secrets of immortality existed uh, in Vader Immortal. We do. So it's still there then? Yeah, we do find out that in Vader, in Vader Immortal, uh, which takes place during around this same time frame, a little bit before, um, but... There are like Vader goes down there, and there's like a like a temple that has information on immortality, and so Vader uses this kind of almost like a like a place to study the things that matter the most to him as well. So, do you have any more questions for me? Uh, yeah, I have my master one here. Uh, who is the main inspiration for Mon Calamari hero Admiral Radis? Uh, I don't know who is that. Admiral Radis is. Uh, He's the Mon Cal admiral that we're going that takes place in the second half of this movie. Uh, he commands the Battle of Scarif. So, like a- Admiral Akbar, then? Yeah, just like Admiral Akbar. Yeah, yeah. He's Other a he's, guy. He's within the conversation in the last scene of the twenty. I don't know who inspires him. Uh, Winston Churchill. Cool. Yeah. So, in terms of character role, somewhat of design, but voice was uh, Winston Churchill inspiration, and then uh, Stephen Stanton took some liberties. Uh, and he said he threw in a little uh, George C. Scott uh, portraying General George S. Patton in the 1970 film Patton. So, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little bit of an interesting well, thing. Well, there's a guy who didn't have a huge job to do, but he was like, I'm going to make this so much. Well, Stephen Stanton, is, he's, uh, he did the voice of Yoda on uh, Clone Wars, so he's very much part of the Star Wars family. But uh, Sure, but that's, that's, that's still, awesome. Yeah, yes, he's still that's like very important. Taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. What's great. Yep. I don't have a whole lot more. Um, I have just here a couple things that won the 20. The Bacta coming back to Mustafar. Obviously, Vader's castle is an overall. And there was one nice shot of the X-Wings leaving the hangar to go oh, to there Edu. Was. There that was. was an awesome visual. I actually have lots of things. I, I realize now that I have all and my I have quotes. And I have some quotes as There's well. There's lots of good quotes. Honestly, I think one of the things that won the 20 was the writing. Yep, I think that, absolutely. I don't need luck. I have you. Yeah. I think that's such a sweet line. That is. Uh, gentlemen, one of you portrayed the Empire. I just find that very biblical. It's very like one of you. It's very like Jesus Christ Superstar. One of you will betray me. Yes. Uh, one of you has conspired with a pilot to send messages to the Rebellion, and I urge that traitor to step forward. Uh, very well. I'll consider it a group effort then. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> that it is. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Uh, uh you have a you do have a great many things to explain from Vader. Well, actually, I, the Cassian's whole part of that I think was great. Yep. What do you know? 
We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to start to care about something. Oh, that's good. Suddenly the rebellion is real for you. Some of us live it. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. You're not the only one who's lost everything. Some of us decided to do, some of us just decided to do something about it. That's good. That is a huge, like, wake up. We all are losing shit. You're just the one who just lost his dad today, but we've lost everybody. Oh, well, if you're not so crazy about be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director, you might prefer you were not summoned here to grovel, director Krennic. That is a great line. That's yeah, really I, I have good. that one here as well. I think the name of the episode has to be be careful not to choke on your aspirations, but... Yes, and you're going to find this line corny, but I think it's important. Uh, it seems like a lot of lines that I think define the movie, you find them corny. Uh, rebellions are built on hope. You're asking us to invade an imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Yes, that is a, that's, that's an important line. Yeah. However, it's one that's used a few times in this movie. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a good line. There's I, lots of alluding to hope. Yeah, exactly. I, I, don't, I think that's a little bit corny, uh, but I do think it's an important line. Just maybe it's a little bit overused in the movie. Right. Uh, Gin and cash in exchange. You can't talk your way around this. I don't have to. Uh, Krennic to Galen. Jetta. Saw Guerrera, his band of fanatics, their holy city, the last reminder of the Jedi, gone. You'll never win. Now, where have I heard that before? <laughs> where has he heard that before? I think Lyra says that to him in the start. I guess. I think so. Yeah. Which is menacing as fuck. Krennic right. is just such a demon bastard. He's an amazing actor, oh, Ben Mendelsohn. so good. I hope we see him in the Cassian show because... I will be super disappointed if we don't. Yeah, he's so good. He's so, so cool. Uh, K2 has a good line, though, when uh, when Bodhi does uh, shoot some stormtroopers. Well done. You're a rebel now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Just one other Vader line. Uh, it's power to create problems has certainly been confirmed. Right. A city destroyed, an Imperial facility openly attacked. Yeah, Vader's not the biggest fan of the Death Star out there. I didn't know that. Uh, this technological terror, he, he very much says it right from the beginning, is no match for the power of the Force. And, right. Uh, he, he, when you think about who Anakin is, it makes complete sense. Sure it does. It, it does not align with who Anakin is. No, it's much more Palpatine, just a big power machine. Yeah, and Palpatine only, only wants the Death Star for the ability to not have to spend time being a politician. Yeah. It's purely just, okay, I'm going to put so much fear of God into the entire galaxy that this way, if anybody gets in my way, I'll just blow up their whole planet. Right. And now I can focus on specifically... Uh, becoming more in tune with the with the dark side and the black alchemy that I've been studying and the, the beyond and the expanded universe and really understanding what's out there. And so it was. I think it was more of a convenience thing for Palpatine. And Vader was like, "For fuck's sake!" Well, so he's Palpatine's not going to deal with this. Tarkin wants to use it because he will blow fucking anything up. Yes. Krennic's this whiny little bitch. Krennic, if you can get it to be, if you can figure it out, you can clean up your mess. I will tell the emperor that you've done. I'll let him. Sh- I'll let you do a you demo. So for him. crave I the will, approval. of Exactly. The I know you crave it, but if you can just clean up your mess so that this thing is less of a nuisance for me, fine. Yeah, it, I think it's very much a, like you're getting on my nerves, uh, Director Krennic. And uh, well, we later find out that they are able to dispose of them pretty easily. <laughs> Has there ever been a Sith Lord who so relished the Force choke as Vader? He just no. seemed, it seems to be like his signature move. Eh? Oh, it is. It absolutely yeah. is. Vader's signature move is the Force choke. Palpatine's is lightning. Yep. Uh, and then they went ham sandwich and gave lightning to Dooku and Snoke as well. You're right. Dooku never should have had the ability to do Force lightning. No. Uh, not 
even the slightest. Especially since he's supposed to be this great duelist. Yeah. And also he had just kind of shifted over from being a Jedi for the majority of his life. Snoke, we don't know enough about him. It probably makes a lot of sense because so much of him is probably... If he's built of the force of Palpatine, that yeah, makes a exactly. lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. the odds are he's at least... He's either a puppet uh, or he's of some sort... Um, a proxy for Palpatine, so it makes sense. What do we have for news? Uh, almost nothing yeah, at all. That's okay. We, we just recorded our last episode a few days ago. Yeah, exactly. So there was some story or concept art that was leaked, about six images, and they're leaked from a boat, I don't know, 20 feet away, zoomed in, shot on a potato. Okay. Uh, you can barely see anything. But one thing is very clear. Uh, two of the six shots have have lava or fire. Okay. And so one of them very much looks like Vader's castle. Uh, would be in, like, it looks like a shot that would be from around that vicinity. Um, but two of the six shots looked like they probably had lava in them. So that could be interesting. Could be a return. Uh, there was a big rumor and theory sort of that went around a long time back, a potential leak uh, of a flash fight sequence that occurs that we don't know necessarily whether it's the first fight between Rey and Kylo, whether they have more than one fight, but a fight between Rey and Kylo where um, almost the kind of the visions that Rey experienced with her with her Force vision and uh, The Force Awakens, similar sort of uh, Star Wars memories being uh, kind of sparked into their surroundings. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was, uh, if they didn't end up going to Mustafar, but in a lightsaber duel spent two seconds on Mustafar. Yeah. Very similar to situation as to where, like it, it, it could be very cool where specifically their fight is choreographed to include elements of every lightsaber fight oh. that we've had ever. Wouldn't so you could so have awesome? beat by beat moves, things that Anakin and Obi-Wan have done, but doing Kylo and Ray. And then beat by beat Luke and Vader, Luke like losing his shit when Vader says, "Oh, your sister." And I like, love the artistic choice of that, but that would be risky. People would have shit to say about that. Yeah, well, I I think it's gonna happen, but okay. I think the the visions part, it's gonna happen. There's mm-hmm. the it. There's nothing else that explains how Kylo knows who Ray is uh, and the his obsessions with items kylo has to have visions he's too much like anakin it doesn't make sense for him not to him and ray see each other ray's had visions that's already been set as precedent so i very much do believe that uh it will be probably executed well but there's going to be a lot of that in this movie and right where there could be maybe not just this sequence but another one of kylo um being transported mentally somewhere else did you hear about jar jar being in the news yesterday no, why was Jar Jar in the news? Jar Jar trended on Twitter. He was in the top 10 most talked what? about things on all of Twitter yesterday. Why? Well, did we, people just like decide like, oh, Darth Jar Jar is a thing now because no, only some people heard of it? No, it, it's really ineffable. But the best estimation as to why he was trending was that so many people were tweeting, why is Jar Jar trending? Really? So it was like a vicious cycle, and we don't know where it started. That makes no sense. But, but it just super it funny. just kind of snowballed into this, like, no one seems to know why we're talking about Jar Jar, but it got to be a huge thing on Twitter yesterday. That is really weird. By which I mean Monday. Yeah. Huh. No, I didn't hear about that, but uh, I don't think there's any reason for Jar Jar being in the news. No, let's hope not. Oh my God, let's hope not. <laughs> What else you got? Uh, no, not really anything. There's not much in the news. Um, just, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty slow time. I'm assuming in 
Uh, I don't remember when D23 is, but I know Comic-Con's coming up soon, so we might be getting uh, a behind-the-scenes. It wouldn't shock me if we got a behind-the-scenes trailer, either at D23 or Comic-Con. Uh, it could be the same one at both. Uh, potentially, they'll do a behind-the-scenes at Comic-Con, and then the real trailer, D23. Who knows? But I know The Force Awakens, uh, I don't remember if The Last Jedi, but they did that one where it's kind of like they do a couple behind-the-scenes shots of making the teaser trailer. And there's new stuff in And it. there's a couple pieces of new thing in there. I yeah. think that would be great. Are we calling the one existing trailer for Rise of Skywalker a teaser trailer? It is a teaser trailer, yeah. Is it? What does that mean? It's two and a half minutes long. It is two and a half minutes long. And I don't want plot to be revealed in the next trailer at all. Right. But you don't... like. They don't show you dick in this in this trailer. And it's two and a half minutes, but 45 seconds of that, 50 seconds of that, a minute probably, is black screen or Ray breathing on Pisana. That's fine with me. That's fine with me. I think that's great. I don't want them to show but, too much. But my point is, really, they show 35 seconds, 40 seconds of one second shots like yeah. just very like you don't glean anything from that i don't so. want to get a bunch of story from a trailer i don't either yeah i don't either but i just i feel like that's part of the I, that's why i would still classify that as a teaser okay uh because we know nothing about the plot from i think it. it's arbitrary what these terms mean yeah oh it absolutely is but i think in the next trailer we'll get something whereas poe or finn or lay like someone will say lines that allow us to understand okay what is one of the plot lines going to be right uh and maybe we'll learn a little bit more context about where kylo stands with the rest of the first order i would be very surprised if uh allegiant general pride is not in the next trailer um and i'd be probably surprised if zori wasn't in the next trailer right and so i mean like things like that that just kind of flesh out the full extent claude for example Who's Claude? Claude's the really stupid-looking giant yellow alien. Not like French Claude, C-L-O-D. No, yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm hoping not that... Not Claude. Yes, not Claude. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, there's good reason for that character, because I would have rather see an alien we know. We have a couple of important birthday wishes. Awesome. Uh, this coming Saturday, uh, July the 13th, happy birthday to... Harrison Ford. Oh, that is a very important one. The very next day, Sunday the 14th, happy birthday to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And her minimal in involvement in Star Wars does not please either one of us. No. But I have come to just love this woman as an artist. Which is great. She, she's she's the next James Bond. So. She's extraordinary. And I'll leave it at that. But uh, she's in a movie, so happy birthday to her this weekend. Uh, Monday the 15th, happy birthday to Forrest Whitaker. Okay, nice. And Time. next Wednesday uh, the 17th, happy birthday to Billy Lord. Oh, nice. So we started a new segment yes. uh, on the podcast last week. Uh, I'm uh, calling Gotta Cast One, where I give uh, you sight unseen two famous people. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, make the case for why one of them belongs in Star Wars in some way, mm -hmm. and the other one does not. You have to defend both. Uh, the two people I've selected this week are both young people. Both released new content last Thursday in the Comic-Con kind of milieu. Okay. Gotta Cast One. Is it Tom Holland or Millie Bobby Brown? Interesting. Um, the pro oh, the problem with that is Millie Bobby Brown has been so heavily rumored for a singular role within Star Wars because of, well, she just looks the part and she's a great actress and the age works, and that would be young Leia. I know. And, and listen to this. Well, she's also compared in looks a lot to Natalie Portman, in fact. She uh, looks more like young Leia than young Natalie Portman, in my opinion. So I thought I thought about leading with here's the caveat, you can't um you can't cast them as someone who already exists in Star Wars. If I were to give you Sebastian Stan, 
I wouldn't want you to be like, well, yeah, because we already know he looks like young Mark Hamill. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. You, I guess you can say that's a reason to belong in a Star Wars movie, but you're going to need to give me more. Yes. Because looking like someone by your nature is, and being a good actor objectively is not a good enough reason nope. to have the energy of Star Wars. Because as far as we know, she's only ever been 11 and 11 never gets a laugh. She frowns. She has a version of the Force in her show, but mm -hmm. like it's not Star Warsy. So I'm gonna need to have another reason why she she belongs. I didn't necessarily pick her either. No, that's true. This is a really hard one. Tom Holland is tough because Tom Holland has done a great job of being our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He he's more versatile than you might think. No, no, no. I know he's a phenomenal actor, but in the sense that he's uh, he's very likable. He exudes that likability. He's, uh, he's British. He's also um, plays an incredible American. Plays more Americans than Brits. Yeah, exactly. He's somebody who's very, very talented physically. So he would be in a beast of a, of a force user in that regard. He really, really, very similar to Tom Cruise, looks like he comes from the modern age, in my opinion. Yeah, he has a face that knows about texting. Yes, he. That's a, yeah, that's a funny way of putting it. He yeah. definitely has a face that knows about texting. Yeah, and so I don't really, and that kind of makes it a little bit of a hard one. Like I, I struggle because I do believe that his likability uh, and his skill sets fit better with Star Wars in the sense that I think he really would fit that quite well in the way a lot of people want Chris Pratt in Star Wars. I oh don't God. want Chris Pratt in Star Wars at all. However, for all the reasons that people want Chris Pratt in Star Wars, Tom Holland would be great in Star Wars. Yeah. However, in that same vein, he is going to be the main face of Avengers and Marvel for the next decade. True. And for that reason, I would want Millie Bobby Brown almost because... You can't get the most out of Tom Holland, right? And like, what what are you gonna get? Are you gonna get him to appear in like five minutes of a movie, or is he gonna appear like fifteen years, twenty years down the road? Well, then I'm not really making any. I'm not making a, a guess at that point. That's a weird. Uh, how am I supposed to compare forty five, fifty year old Tom Holland to anyone else? I think you're really restricted in the roles that you're able to give either one of these actors yes. as well. Like Adam Driver could, had he not been cast as Kylo Ren, he could have been cast as. Uh, a hero yep. in Star Wars just as well. Mm -hmm. um, but if you cast Tom Holland, he's not believable as a villain, or at no. least uh, acting-wise, he hasn't given us evidence that he would be able to do that in something as broad as Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And Millie Bobby Brown is maybe someday, but she's still so young that if you were to cast her as a villain, it's a gimmick. Yes and no. I think there is one way in which you could do it, and or not one way, but there's a bunch of ways in which you could do it. And I will, I'll pick Millie Bobby Brown... Um, for the reasons that I've said at this point, although I think Tom Holland uh, would be great. And so if you made me pick for Tom Holland, I'm going to pick um, a very much human, uh, yeah, very much humanoid uh, Jedi. Yeah. That would allow us to uh, to benefit from, let's go with a male Twi'lek Jedi. Oh, in, have we ever seen a male Twi'lek? Uh, Bib Fortuna is a male okay. Twi'lek. We've seen a, we've seen plenty in uh, in cartoons and uh, other canon content. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let's go with a, a Twi'lek Jedi in the Old Republic is Tom Holland. Uh, for Millie Bobby Brown, though, it, to make her a villain, you could make her, and this is one, for example, like the, the character of Darth Bane, Darth Xana is his first rule of two apprentice. Okay. And if I remember, or if I know the content correctly, he seeks out Darth Xana after he's already wiped out the Sith. All right. So you could make it where he 
brings Darth Xana at a very very young age. Like if they wanted to make oh. a if they wanted to make it like a long running series, like one where they were planning to do six years or something, and in the end having Darth Bane killed by his apprentice, it could be really cool to see that person be a like a seemingly innocent fifteen year old, a la Arya Stark, growing up into this badass and finishing off the series taking out. Um, like kind of the person who has been her her trainer, but at the same time probably abuser for the most part as well, like phys- mentally torturing her, but also mentally bringing her up to the power of Sith. So you could do it that way as well. Yeah. Um, I think as an overall, I think you could have Millie Bobby Brown as uh, a supporting character uh, protagonist, uh, if we're going back a long time, you can make her force sensitive or not. I don't think you necessarily need to put make her an alien. I think she can pull off just fine being a, a human face. I don't think she has a face that's necessarily guaranteed for texting. Uh, she's clear, <laughs> no, no, no. She's she's for, done a, just being English. I mean, it doesn't apply to Tom Holland. Yeah. But in most cases, just being English makes you look more that's classic. True. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But also, it's great because Millie Bobby Brown has made herself known in a hospital gown with a shaved head and 80s clothes and a silly haircut. Yeah. So she could be totally transformative in a role like that. And hell, as a supporting character, maybe not. Maybe she could be the fucking main lead in a Ryan Johnson-based trilogy. There we go. Ryan Johnson, a lot of people chatted about it. The Ryan Johnson's going to be a younger trilogy focus, one the way George Lucas would have chosen the characters to be younger for the second trilogy. So that's going to be my way of going it. We're going to get our Jedi Academy, our very first Jedi Academy program starring Millie Bobby Brown, as the main character, just learning about her Jedi training and like this boat 2,000 years ago. We've been doing this podcast for a year, and you're so good at it. But I think we finally found what you're best at. <laughs> this is, this is, wow, you could keep going forever and ever. Uh, let us know at home or in the car or at the gym. Got a cast one. Tom Holland and Millie Bobby Brown. You can send along your thoughts on anything else we said on this week's podcast or any other by tweeting us at Recorder66 or emailing recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And and, uh, until we are together again, may the Force be with you.